847 is 366 and 7. Hello and welcome to A Score to Settle, a podcast about movie and TV music. I'm your host, Brian McVicker. Each episode, I focus on music composed for film and television, whether through analyzing a specific score, taking a deep dive into a particular composer's work, or by way of interviews with guests, both those in the industry and also fellow fans. In this episode, I am continuing my multi-part deep dive into the music of science fiction cinema and its evolving soundscape through the decades, with the focus today being the 1970s. This overview consists of my observations on how music for this genre stands apart, how it developed, and cultivated its own distinctive sonic world over time. What I hope has been evident uh, from the previous two episodes um, is a sort of steadily broadening palette, uh, one that incorporates the acoustic and the electronic, uh, tonality and dissonance, the traditional and the avant-garde, the theremin and the echoplex. In covering this next decade, I'd like to approach it just a bit differently uh, than before, uh, mainly because we hear such a dynamic shift musically in the second half of the decade, a real 180 from the first half. So I decided to listen for the trends sort of grouped together, as opposed to chronologically advancing year to year through the 70s. So when we left the 1960s, the motion picture industry was recovering from the demise of the old studio system, which resulted in more creative freedom in story, content, and music. At the societal level here in the United States, civil unrest, the Vietnam War, and the counterculture movement all influenced science fiction cinema, and this influence persisted through much of the next decade. There is an overall feeling of unease, of disassociation and being disaffected, of distrust in the government, and a sense of sliding towards utter chaos. In some ways, I guess we can maybe relate to that now in the United States, actually. Um, anyway, musically, science fiction cinema began the 1970s, continuing to shift away from the traditional film scoring model, both in style and application. The sweeping symphonic sound of the Golden Age had temporarily faded and was now mostly supplanted by either pop-inflected scores and songs, tracked-in classical works, or experimental, often electronic tones. Possibly the most prominent of these musical trends in science fiction that we hear during the early to mid-1970s is the influence of popular music, a trend which arose during the late 1960s. The influences, though, ranged from folk and rock, funk and R&B, and I have some specific titles to present that I think best illustrate this specific musical trend. To start, we're going to listen to music from Colossus the Forbin Project, from 1970, directed by Joseph Sargent, with music by Michel Colombier. Colossus was based upon a 1966 novel of the same name by Dennis Feltham Jones, and is a dystopian nightmare of the technological variety. Uh, as a progenitor of war games and Terminator, 
what is presented here is an AI-controlled nuclear defense system becoming sentient and determining that humanity can't survive without its total control. Composer and arranger Michel Colombier, born in Lyon, France, had contributed music to many film, TV, and ballet productions, along with collaborations uh, with pop artists such as Petula Clark and Herb Albert. His score for Colossus the Forbin Project has some pop shadings, utilizing a small string orchestra, drum kit, harpsichord, and organ. The latter instrument uh, kind of gives a vague sense of religiosity to the uh, nuclear defense AI system, while the, the prickly pizzicato strings that you'll hear sort of describe its inner mechanics. So here's a special suite that I prepared of music from Michel Colombier's score for Colossus the Forbin Project from 1970.
That was a suite of cues from Michel Columbier's score for 1970's Colossus the Forbin Project. The cues included in that suite uh, would be the main title, under surveillance, and end title. Thanks go to La La Land Records for recently producing on CD this previously unreleased score alongside voluminous notes by Jeff Bond. For me, it was a real delight to discover this music, uh, as I had not previously been uh, familiar with the, the score for the Forbin Project. Now, Columbia maintained uh, a long career in film music uh, following this project, eventually scoring the hit movies White Knights, Purple Rain, and New Jack City. The next selection that I'd like to present is another dystopian nightmare, this time due to a global pandemic. Uh, it's probably too soon. <laughs> um, anyway, it stars Charlton Heston and was directed by Boris Segal. It's the 1971 cult classic The Omega Man, based on the 1954 story I Am Legend, written by Richard Matheson. And this story was adapted for film again much later in 2008, starring Will Smith. The story follows Heston playing scientist Robert Neville, who is the last vaccinated man on the planet. The surprisingly melodic and swinging score uh, for the Mega Man is composed by Australian Ron Grainer and draws on the groovy pop stylings of the time, similar to how 1968's Barbarella, which I featured in the last episode, was influenced by a late 1960s sound. However, the Omega Man expresses more drama and melancholic beauty in its music. The orchestra is embellished by two electric organs and a backbeat, as you can hear in this short suite of cues consisting of the main title and surprise party. So again, this is music composed by Ron Grainer for 1971's The Omega Man.
Those were the Q's main title and surprise party from Ron Grainer's infectious score for The Omega Man from 1971. Like many scores of this era, this was entirely unreleased on disc until the Film Score Monthly label issued it on CD in two editions uh, during the early 2000s. You can look for the unlimited edition of the score on their website, filmscoremonthly.com. I know I was happy to learn of its sonic charms because it was previously unknown to me. Another example of the influence of popular music on science fiction films in the early 1970s is from 1972, from what became another cult favorite of fans, that being the ecologically-minded, post-apocalyptic, Silent Running. This movie returns us back to outer space and a future when Earth's plant life now only exists as rare cultivated specimens in floating spaceships. It stars Bruce Dern and was directed by Douglas Trumbull, who was the special effects genius behind uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey from 1968. Music for Silent Running was composed by Peter Schickel. He's an American composer known more for his musically comedic parodies as the character PDQ Bach. For Silent Running, Schickel composed a score, an orchestral score, uh, laced with folk pop stylings of the day, along with songs co-written with Diane Lampert and performed by none other than folk music icon and activist Joan Baez. For an example of the latter element, here's a portion of the song Silent Running, uh, again written by Peter Schickel and Diane Lampert and performed by Joan Baez. Now, alongside the Joan Baez songs, I'll share here a sample of Peter Schickel's orchestral score for Silent Running. 
This is a portion of the queue called the Space Fleet, which is sort of a measured processional piece with an almost Renaissance flavor to it, uh, thanks to the very prominent woodwinds. Uh, so again, this is a portion of the queue, the Space Fleet, uh, part of Peter Schickel's score for the 1972 science fiction film Silent Running. That was music from Peter Schickel's orchestral score for Silent Running from 1972, preceded by the title song as sung by Joan Baez. Not only is this another example of 1970s science fiction movie music incorporating uh, current popular music trends of the time uh, in both score and songs, but there is also a real sense of meta-social commentary occurring thanks to the presence of Baez. As I mentioned, during the 1960s and 70s, uh, Joan Baez was a fierce advocate for social justice, human rights, and environmental causes. And it's this latter cause that really speaks to the underlying message of the movie, Silent Running, that of preserving our planet's ecology. My last selection representing this particular trend for scoring science fiction movies is from 1973 and is another bleak, dystopian story starring Charlton Heston, that film being Soylent Green. In a somewhat oblique manner, Soylent Green kind of completes the unofficial quadrilogy of Heston-led dystopian science fiction movies following Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and The Omega Man. Soylent Green was directed by Richard Fleischer, he of Fantastic Voyage fame, and has a score composed by Fred Myro. The dystopian world of Soylent Green is one of overpopulation and climate disasters set in 2022, so everybody gird your loins. It's actually kind of unnerving how tragically prophetic all these 1970s dystopian science fiction flicks have been so far. Uh, anyway, Fred Myro's score opens with a wonderfully catchy pop instrumental, which to my ears sounds like it could have been from an, uh, an overture to a pop musical of the time, like Jesus Christ Superstar. The piano chords heard early on are almost hymnal in nature uh, before everything kicks up in the tempo. Uh, but here is the cue called Prologue and Opening City Music from 1973's Soylent Green, composed by Fred Myro. Mm-hmm. 
That was the cue prologue and opening city music from 1973's Soylent Green, part of an eclectic collection of cues composed for the film by Fred Myro. Myro was primarily a composer for the concert stage and live theater, uh, but he also wrote the score for the 1979 uh, horror cult favorite Phantasm. Now, there is an additional element to Soylent Green's soundtrack that connects it to the next prevalent musical trend heard in science fiction cinema at this time, which is that of incorporating notable concert classical works. Stanley Kubrick's science fiction epic 2001 A Space Odyssey from 1968 can of course be credited or blamed for kickstarting this trend through its exclusive use of existing classical tracks. However, it's interesting to note how often this practice occurs in the years following. For example, in Soylent Green, you will hear excerpts from concert works by Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, and Grieg. Prior to this, in 1971's violent, dystopian, science fiction social commentary picture A Clockwork Orange, also directed by Kubrick, there is more Beethoven being utilized along with Rossini. The 1972 film adaptation of novelist Kurt Vonnegut's time-slipping science fiction drama Slaughterhouse-Five, directed by George Roy Hill, uh, itself features a score built on multiple Bach concertos. Bach also underscores Andrei Tarkovsky's Solaris from the same year, 1972. Then, from 1974, there is director John Borman's exceedingly strange and disturbing future epic Zardoz, starring Sean Connery, dressed perpetually in a jockstrap, in Zardoz, we have yet another instance of a score being drawn from Beethoven, specifically his Symphony No. 7, as adapted by David Monroe. And in 1975, we find Rollerball, the Norman Jewison-directed, James Kahn-led futuristic sports thriller. The classical works dominating Rollerball's soundtrack, adapted by noted concert composer and conductor Andre Previn, consists of music by Shostakovich, Tchaikovsky, and again, Bach, or Bach again. Uh, but hey, no Beethoven. I guess he wasn't good enough to make the team in Rollerball. From Bach, his immensely famous Toccata and Fugue is featured, uh, a piece which became a sonic shorthand for the Gothic horror genre, uh, which you can hear in this adaptation, again by Andre Previn, for 1975's Rollerball. This is Bach's Toccata and Fugue.
Just as an observation, I find it interesting that while original film music composed in the traditional symphonic fashion was being shunned, filmmakers were still choosing familiar concert classical music as score for their respective science fiction films. It's as if they still wanted the power and emotion inherent in symphonic music, but perhaps felt it was old-fashioned or corny to have an original orchestral score composed to picture in the same manner. Well, we'll soon hear how something old-fashioned can become all the rage again. Dovetailing neatly from this trend to the next is a science fiction film written and directed by George Lucas, but it doesn't contain a Death Star or John Williams. Instead, it's the disturbing dystopian precursor to Star Wars, THX 1138, from 1971, with music composed by Lalo Schifrin. THX 1138 is an expansion of Lucas's own earlier experimental student film. The story follows an individual named THX 1138, played by Robert Duvall, as he awakens to and rebels against oppressive systemic controls levied against the populace. Now, there is no victory march heard at the end of this hero's journey, though. Instead, Lalo Schifrin provides THX 1138 with a fairly diverse set of cues, including a setting of Bach's St. Matthew's Passion, again with the Bach, uh, which ties into the prevailing classical music trend in science fiction that I just noted. In addition, there are some jazzy lounge cues, but mainly the tone is experimental, avant-garde, and dissonant. So after the trends of pop music influences and concert classical tracks, the other major musical trend uh, heard through much of 1970s science fiction cinema was the avant-garde, the experimental, and uh, also electronic tonalities. For instance, there is this unsettling electronic tone heard in the cue First Escape. So again, this is music from 1971's THX 1138, composed by Lalo Schifrin. The cue is First Escape. And there are also some purely percussive textures heard in the score, as in the cue torture sequence. As you can ascertain, it was a long road from here to the post-romantic strains in space that John Williams writes. Argentinian-born Lalo Schifrin, uh, who played with Dizzy Gillespie and is very highly noted for his jazz compositions, is of course a name most associated with rhythmic or jazzy-oriented film and TV scores, such as for the TV show Mission Impossible, the film Enter the Dragon, uh, and the Dirty Harry series, uh, starring Clint Eastwood. But he's really an immensely versatile composer. 
keeping with this trend of the experimental and or electronic approach, also from 1971, there is The Andromeda Strain, a science fiction thriller about a deadly microscopic alien pathogen. Its pedigree is very notable, as it's based on a novel by Michael Crichton, uh, later of the author of Jurassic Park, and directed by Robert Wise, who also directed The Day the Earth Stood Still and The Sound of Music. It was nominated at the 1972 Oscars for Art Direction and Editing. The score is by Gil Mel, a composer previously more well-known as a jazz musician in the 1950s and 60s uh, than for his eventual uh, film and TV compositions, but he was really quite proficient. His music for the Andromeda Strain is an experiment in cold, off-putting electronic sonorities, which often function more like sound design than as distinctly musical accompaniment. This cue, called op, is probably the most musical uh, from the score. So again, this is music by Gil Mel for The Andromeda Strain from 1971. That was a sample of Gil Mel's cool electronic tones for the science fiction thriller The Andromeda Strain. This approach of more sound design than music would probably find a home in many modern day movies, for better or worse. My next example of this particular musical trend is, funny enough, another Michael Crichton penned science fiction thriller. This would be Westworld from 1973 with music by Fred Carlin. The story of Westworld centers on a futuristic amusement park in which adults can play act as cowboys in the American Old West, but then the robot automatons populating the park start killing the tourists. A little bit shades of Jurassic Park there. Now this all might sound familiar to some listeners since there was a recent revival of Westworld as a TV series on HBO. Fred Carlin's music actually underscores more of the Old West fantasy at play, with lots of saloon piano source cues, than the actual eventual tension and terror affecting the characters. However, the cue called The Gunslinger essays the threat of Yul Brenner's robotic killing machine character in a lumbering, insistent manner, with a sawing effect on the strings. It's almost a forerunner of stalking music from an 80s horror slasher movie. Here is some of the cue called The Gunslinger, composed by Fred Carlin for 1973's Westworld. Thank you. 
Fred Carlin was an American-born composer with an extensive background in jazz and big band before he migrated over to film and TV projects. However, he was also very beloved within the community of soundtrack aficionados due to several reference books he wrote about the art form, such as listening to movies. So there is a major slice of early to mid-1970s science fiction cinema which follows two of these musical trends for the genre that I've spotlighted, and some of you might be wondering why I haven't mentioned it yet. This would be the four sequels to 1968's Planet of the Apes, which would be Beneath the, Escape from, Conquest of, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. For sure, it isn't that these movies don't deserve inclusion. It's simply that I already devoted an entire episode to the franchise back in 2019, and I didn't want to repeat myself too much. If you haven't already done so, certainly check out that episode number 28 for more detailed analysis of the music for this series. Um, It's a series which really was the forerunner of the blockbuster franchises that we see today, uh, as not only were there the Planet of the Apes uh, sequels, Uh, But there were also two TV spinoffs, one live-action, one animated. There are various books, comic books, games, toys, soundtracks. Um, So it definitely, you know, was sort of the progenitor of what we see today with a lot of blockbuster series. The four sequels showcased music by uh, modernist composer Leonard Rosamond for Beneath and Battle in 1970 and 1973. Saxophonist Tom Scott for 1972's Conquest, while Jerry Goldsmith returned once more to score Escape from the Planet of the Apes in 1971, after he had scored the original in 68. The musical landscape for the sequels, while being primarily orchestral, uh, fall more into the avant-garde and dissonant category, uh, with a sprinkling of pop music influences, such as fuzz guitars and electric sitars, that are heard in certain cues from the films. Here is a special short five-minute suite that I've prepared of music from those four sequels. So we have the cue Target Practice from Beneath the Planet of the Apes, the cue The Hitchhiker from Escape, uh, Battle for Ape Management from Conquest of Planet of the Apes, and Only the Dead from Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, So this is music composed, respectively, in each case by Leonard Roseman, Jerry Goldsmith, Tom Scott, and again, Leonard Roseman. So here's a suite of music from the four sequels to The Planet of the Apes, which were released uh, successively from 1970 to 
that final cue in that suite there, uh, Only the Dead, which is the final cue from Battle for the Planet of the Apes from 1973, composed by Leonard Rosamond. Such a nice, optimistic, and tonal way to end not only that film, uh, but the entire Planet of the Apes saga. Now, in marking the midpoint of the decade, we find that these prevailing musical trends applied to science fiction movies, that of pop music influences, classical tracks, and experimental or avant-garde sounds, might have reached its zenith. Granted, in 1975, science fiction cinema was represented by titles such as the cult rock musical The Rocky Horror Picture Show and the folk music scored The Boy and His Dog, but it wasn't too much longer before a corner was turned, musically speaking. Now, just as we're nearing the end of this metaphorical block and are beginning to turn that corner, there is another entry in the post-apocalyptic subgenre of science fiction that I would love to present. This is one which musically links to the trends that we've explored, and yet also somewhat looks ahead to the return of a more sweeping symphonic sound for the genre. The film is Logan's Run, from 1976, directed by Michael Anderson, based on the book by William F. Nolan and George Clayton Johnston. Logan's Run features a dazzling score by Jerry Goldsmith. This is one of my favorites of his career, and I even did a more extensive profile on Goldsmith's score for Logan's Run way back in 2017 in the first episode of my podcast. So apologies if any longtime listeners get a feeling of deja vu right now. Goldsmith's score for Logan's Run is an incredible and varied work with its own internal structure and arc ingeniously constructed primarily from a short, chromatically rising figure, and then that is balanced along with a more rapturous love theme. Texturally speaking, the score encompasses not only the cold, electronic tonalities and the dissonant, modernistic trends of the decade so far, but also blossoms into sumptuous lyricism in its second half. It could almost be seen as a microcosm of music for science fiction across the 1970s overall, as the score's journey from dissonance and electronics mirrors the shifting of the decade, ending in that post-romantic lyricism that we hear after Star Wars. Here's an eight-minute suite of music from 1976's Logan's Run, as composed by Jerry Goldsmith.
Thank you.
That was a suite of music from the glitzy, post-apocalyptic science fiction film Logan's Run, composed by Jerry Goldsmith. The cues included in that suite were The Dome, The City, Flame Out, Intensive Care, and End of the City. So, I promised myself that I could devote one single episode to each decade in this project, but here we are, landing at the crossroads in 1976, about to crest over the hill into Star Wars country, and I'm going to pause for an intermission. I I try to keep my episodes to a manageable length, but looking ahead there are a wealth of great titles to cover in the latter half of the 1970s. Tune in next time to hear the orchestral tsunami generated by the mighty John Williams, which washes over the science fiction genre by way of both Star Wars and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I want to thank everyone for listening today to this episode of the podcast. I surely hope that for each of you, this continues to be a fun, entertaining, and enlightening exploration into the music of science fiction cinema through the decades. Next episode, we will, of course, pick back up in 1977 and close out the decade, still listening for what is unique and memorable for the genre and where its sonic lineage persists. Music heard in this episode were from the following films. Colossus, The Forbin Project, composed by Michelle Columbier. The Omega Man, composed by Ron Grainer. Silent Running, music by Peter Schickel and vocals by Joan Baez. Soylent Green, composed by Fred Myro. THX 1138, composed by Lalo Schifrin. The Andromeda Strain, composed by Gil Mel. Westworld by Fred Carlin. Beneath the Planet of the Apes and Battle for the Planet of the Apes, composed by Leonard Rosenman. Conquest of Planet of the Apes by Tom Scott and Escape from Planet of the Apes and Logan's Run, composed by Jerry Goldsmith. If you'd like to send any comments or questions, you can email the show at escortasettlepodcast at gmail.com, find the blog at escortasettle.blogspot.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash settle, and on Twitter at score2settlepod. That's score, the number two, settle pod. If you listen to the show by way of iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a review. It's always appreciated. And you can even get a shout out on the next episode. I appreciate the listeners in Germany for helping the podcast reach a great position in the music commentary category. Thanks again to everyone for listening. 